And as the children head out, I'll invite you to find Mark chapter 6 in your Bible. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 30 this morning. While you're finding Mark chapter 6 in your Bible, I want to ask you a question that probably will hit you right where you're sitting right now. Have you ever felt really tired and sluggish during a church service? I know not any of our church services, but like, did you ever visit another church (laughs) with a, a less dynamic pastor and feel tired and sluggish and hungry? As I'm talking about this, are you realizing how tired and sluggish and hungry you actually are right now? You know, I typically, obviously when we're here, I'm the one leading the services, so this is sort of the climax of my week for me, and um, believe it or not, this is about the most energetic I get all week. But I have had occasions, usually at funerals, sometimes at weddings, to go and sit in a church service the way you guys do every week. Um, I don't do it nearly as often as you guys do, and I'm always reminded of several things during those opportunities, but one of them is how hard it can be to sit through a, a long sermon. Um, it can be really difficult. And I know you're saying, uh, we know. <laughs> you're not telling us anything new. It can be hard and um, you can start to nod off. And I, I do notice when you start to nod off and I understand. I understand. Um, it can be hard if you're like me and you require a meal every two hours and your stomach is growling. Um, what I want you to consider though is what do you think Jesus thinks of that. Like when you're in a service and your eyelids are just getting really heavy and you're just really struggling to keep them open, what do you think Jesus' thoughts about you toward you are in that moment? When your stomach is growling and you're thinking about how much you would love to just get some lunch or wish that you had some crackers in your pocketbook or something, what do you think Jesus is thinking during those moments? Do you think he's arms crossed, shaking his head, just annoyed at you? Why didn't you eat more before you came in here? You should have gone to bed earlier last night. You wouldn't be so sleepy. Had to watch Netflix, didn't you? Do you think that's what he's saying, thinking? Well, we're going to look at a passage today that I think indicates that that is not at all what he is thinking as he looks at us as we struggle to stay awake. I think he looks at you with great deep compassion and real empathy and real sympathy. I think he looks at you like a shepherd looks at his sheep who needs some rest, who needs some fresh green grass. I think he looks at you with warm, loving, kind eyes, uh, even in those moments when in the very best sermon that Matt Broadway could possibly preach when you're sleepy and sluggish. Uh, The main idea I want you to walk away from this service with today is that Jesus is our shepherd. He's your shepherd. And therefore, you and I, we get to live as sheep. Well cared for sheep with a really good shepherd. And that's really good. That is really good news. I want you to leave feeling encouraged this morning. Um, we're going to pray together. We're going to read this passage. It's uh, a passage probably familiar to you if you grew up in church when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Um, we're going to read that passage and just sort of look at Jesus as the good shepherd together. Would you pray with me?
Father, we're about to read your word, and we just ask that it would have its full effect on us. It's full effect. We know that it is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces down deep to the heart of your people. It separates uh, bone from marrow. It is precise. It is surgical. Uh, I, I pray that it would have that work in our hearts, that you would sort things out in our hearts this morning. That you would call us back from where perhaps we've wandered away from your care through Jesus Christ. That you would call us back and that those who are tired would be revived and refreshed. Those who are hungry and dissatisfied in this life would be satisfied at Jesus' hands. Those who are confused and wandering about would receive direction and guidance. We want to glorify the name of your son Jesus Christ as our good shepherd this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Let's read, just read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen or just listen. Starts off in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now, remember... Two passages ago, uh, back when we studied Mark in the spring heading into Easter, Jesus just sent out the disciples in pairs of two and gave them his authority over demons. And they went out healing and casting out demons and teaching with the authority of Jesus Christ. So this is them returning. They've just been out on their first sort of assignment and they're returning to Jesus and they're, you can picture children clamoring around their parent after he gets home from work, just telling them all the stuff that happened, all the stuff that they did, all the stuff that they taught. And then in verse 31, and he, Jesus, said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate or an isolated place, a place far away from people and crowds. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So they got into a boat at one side of this big body of water, and they, they headed to go across that body of water to try to get away from the crowds to a place where there weren't people. So they were going out away from towns, away from cities, just trying to just get a little space because they hadn't even been able to eat. It's been so crazy. Have you guys ever had such a crazy schedule going on that you didn't even have a chance to eat? I'm sure you have. Now, verse 33. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Well, great. Here they're finally going to get a break, and it was taking them so long to work their way across the water directly, people had time to get where they were going on foot, and they beat them there. That can happen, you know, depending on how the wind is and the situation. It can take you longer for the direct route by boat than it would if you just ran by foot. So when they arrive, there's these crowds are there waiting for them. Verse 34. When he, being Jesus, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So what's Jesus' reaction? He gets there to the other side. He's trying to get a little break for his guys. 
And there's the crowds again. Is he annoyed? Is he frustrated? No, he gets out and he, he's compassionate because they seem like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this was a crowd. This was bigger than this crowd. This was, as we're going to find out at the end of the passage, thousands of people. Thousands of people. Verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Okay, we're out in the middle of nowhere. It's getting late. They're going to need something to eat. There's thousands of these people. We have no food. Let's just end this thing and send them on their way. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? That would be well over a year's worth of wages, probably more like a year and a half's worth of wages. So they're being a little sarcastic here. Do we have enough money to go and feed this huge crowd of people? And you have to remember, this is not like here in Charlotte. There were no Bojangles down the road. There was no such thing as fast food. Nothing was fast back then. And even if they did swarm into the surrounding towns, people probably didn't have the capacity to feed thousands upon thousands of people like that. So they were getting into a real situation that really needed to be addressed. There was lots of people and no food, and it was getting late in the day. Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. Now, when I think of a loaf of bread, I'm picturing like a loaf of sliced bread like that size. Okay, from my research preparing for the sermon, the bread that they would have had back then would have been much, much smaller, almost not much bigger than a cracker. It would have been very small. Okay, so picture more like five sort of um, hefty crackers. And the fish were not like big slabs of salmon. It would have been more like sardines probably that they would have put on the crackers. So this isn't very much food. Even if it was a big, big loaves of bread, there's thousands of people. Thousands. So they tell Jesus what they have. And then verse 39, then Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. That's an interesting detail to add, green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. Satisfied. That word in Greek means just what you would think. They were full. They got everything that they, they could eat until they were done eating. It, didn't, it wasn't a snack. It was a meal. Verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. These would have been baskets that they commonly would have carried around with their food back then. It would have been kind of a narrow basket. You could sort of sling it over your back. Twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So 5,000 men, but there weren't only men out there. There would have also been women and children. I guess they didn't count those. So depending on how many children with each man, I mean, it could have been 
upwards to 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people. We don't really know for sure how many people all together. It's an astounding miracle. And the question for us is, well, obviously the first response is, wow, Jesus is really awesome. But then as your pastor and preaching this passage, I have to think, well, what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we can always expect him to you know, multiply our $1 to be thousands of dollars when we need to repair our car? Is that going to be a given? Uh, does, that, does that mean when our cupboards seem bare, he can multiply that one box of macaroni and cheese to be a full Thanksgiving meal? I don't think that's what we should take from this. What I think we should take from this is just a reminder of who Jesus is. What he's like as our good shepherd. Now, I just want to point out three aspects of Jesus' character that we can see at work in this passage. Okay, the first is that Jesus guides his sheep. Jesus guides his sheep. Did you notice how in command Jesus was throughout the whole passage? It starts off with the disciples returning to him after he had sent them out. Then in verse 31, he takes the lead and he takes the initiative and says, come away with me to a desolate place. You guys need to get some rest. Then down further in verse 37, the disciples come to him with this problem and he commands them. He says, well, you give them something to eat. Again, he takes charge. You know, when they look at their food and they can't see any way that it's possible, he figures it out. Verse 39, he commands the crowd of thousands to be seated and they are seated in an orderly manner. Our shepherd is in command. He's in control. He is the guide. He is the leader. That means that we get to follow. That means that we are not in charge of taking the lead. That means we're not in charge of being the visionaries. We're not in charge of understanding everything and figuring everything out. We get to follow. We get to be sent by Jesus on assignment and return to him. We get to be invited to come and rest. We get to be commanded to do what needs to be done. You know, we have so many decisions to make in a given day, in a given week, and so much responsibility. It can become pretty exhausting, can't it? There's a new term you may have heard bandied about. Maybe it's not new. It's new to me called decision fatigue. And that's the notion that especially in modern day America, we have so many decisions to make at every juncture because we have so many options that people just get worn out. People are just exhausted. You try to go and buy toothpaste and you look at this huge wall of toothpaste options. And just that simple act in life requires you to make all these decisions. And yet when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, we are not, in George W. Bush's words, we're not the decider. Jesus is the decider. And so we get to be sheep. We get to follow. I had a piece of paper taped to the side of my filing cabinet in the church office in here for a long time that said, Servant, not Savior. And it was just a reminder to me to relax a little bit that it wasn't my job to save people. And I didn't have the capability of saving people. As a pastor, I'm just a servant. I just do what I can do and try to be faithful in what the Lord has called me to do. But I'm not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. We can all put somewhere in our car, in our homes, a similar phrase, sheep, not shepherd. 
We get to be sheep. Jesus is our good shepherd. As a pastor, this is very, very comforting to me. You know, we get to be the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. He gives the directions. He sends us out. I find that very, very comforting. Meredith and I were just talking last night about how much you wish you could control as a parent. And how little you really can control. And how that's somewhat terrifying and definitely anxiety producing. It's so comforting to me to remember that it's not all up to me. Ultimately, Jesus is our good shepherd. So, Jesus guides his sheep. Secondly, Jesus restores his sheep. Look back at verse 31. The disciples come back from their mission and they're all excited and they're all exhausted. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus, as our shepherd, gives us rest. And, you know, simply that means we can rest. It's okay to rest. Jesus knows we need to rest. And he wants us to get the rest that we need. You who are yawning right now, it's good. It's okay. He gets them away from the crushing crowds and he goes to a, a, a lonely introvert's paradise away from the people to rest a while, to give them leisure to eat. At least that's what he tries to do for them. And I know that many of you are exhausted. I know that many of you are in a season of life that is just really, really taxing, really, really tiring, that's requiring more energy than you've ever had to give out before. You know, I've noticed over the last year or two years, more and more and more of our people, of you, are being called into a ministry of serving your aging parents. And I've been so proud, in the best sense of the word, of our flock, of how you've all responded to these sorts of things. And many of you are pouring yourself out like never before on behalf of your aging parents. And that is, that is so good. That is so right that you're doing that. And I know it's tiring to do that while working, while you know dealing with your own house, your own yard, your own responsibilities. And Jesus knows how tiring it is. Others of you, that's not the race you're running. You're running different races. Some of you are, are enduring in uh, difficult relationships with people, in, in uh, secret service sort of lifestyle where, where you're having to pour yourself out in a way that can't be public because it has to do with shortcomings in other people. Some of you are enduring in long struggles with temptation, with sin. Some of you are enduring with long struggles with emotional issues that make life hard many days. I'm just so pleased at how you, you do endure and how you continue and how you persevere. And I know you're tired. I know many of you are tired. And Jesus knows you're tired. And he knows when you need rest. And he provides rest for his sheep. It makes me think of Luke 10, 38-42. I don't think I have that up on the slides, but I'll read it to you. It's Martha and Mary. I'll just read you the story. Try to picture it in your mind. A woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house one time while he was out teaching. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Again, it's hard to prepare meals back then. It's even harder than today. And Martha's working so hard to make it all happen. And Mary's just sitting there at Jesus' feet. Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus' message is just, just relax. Just relax. One thing is necessary. You know, seek first the kingdom of, of God and all this other stuff will be added to you. And come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My, my weight is light. You know, we have permission to rest when we need to rest. God's built it into the rhythm of life. You work hard during the day and then you go to bed at night and you just go to sleep. You power down. God continues his work and you get to sleep. You, know, you work hard all week, but then take a Sabbath, take a day off. You know, God's built that into our rhythm. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, we're not supposed to be at the constant, constant slavery to our smartphones, constantly in the digital crowds of what's going on with everybody all the time. You know, you can, you can put, you can turn your cell phone off. It does, it does that. It, you can turn them off. You can take a Sabbath. You can take a day off. You can go to bed. You can sit down to a meal. And I know it probably feels like the world is going to crash down around you if you do rest sometimes. And there may be seasons of life in which you do have to work harder than others. But it's not all up to you. You have a good shepherd. It's not all on your shoulders. It feels like it is sometimes, but it's not all on your shoulders. You get to be a sheep. You have a good shepherd. And he guides his sheep and he restores his sheep. And then lastly, he satisfies his sheep. Just look again at his compassion for these people and their hunger. In verse 35, we've seen him get off the boat and see all these people. And he, instead of getting annoyed or frustrated, he sees them with compassion as sheep without a shepherd and starts to teach. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And they say, no, we can't give them something to eat. We don't have any money or stuff to eat. And then Jesus says, give me what you do have and I'll make it enough. I'll take care of them. I'll satisfy these sheep without a shepherd. Jesus satisfies his sheep. And that means that we get to be full. We get to be satisfied. You know, the Christian life isn't a life of um, empty, stomached misery. It's a life in which we have a good shepherd who cares for us. You know, we turn to the things of the world for satisfaction and we always come away empty. But when we turn to Jesus Christ for satisfaction, we never come away empty. You know that empty feeling when you've binged on TV and it's late at night, and finally you have to turn it off. You have to go to bed, and you turn it off, and then as soon as you do, all the anxious thoughts come back, all the unrest comes back. It didn't solve anything. You don't feel rested. You feel more weary than you did before you began. Or you shut the laptop, or you, you swipe Facebook off of your phone. 
You know, it, it never really satisfies. But Jesus said he is the bread of life. Jesus says he will give uh, everlasting waters, that you'll never thirst again, you'll never hunger again. Jesus guides his sheep, he restores his sheep, he satisfies his sheep. Now, it has to be said as we close this sermon out, that the Bible is very nuanced in how it handles everything. Okay, you can't walk away from this with this rule that says, I have a good shepherd, therefore I will never feel anxious again. I will never feel confused as to the direction of my life or even my day. I will never again feel tired. I will never again feel hungry because I have a good shepherd. No, sometimes even while you're right beside the good shepherd, he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's cold and dark and confusing and scary there. Sometimes even in the boat with the shepherd, exhausted, you reach the shore and there's thousands of people and you have to work a little longer. You have to work a little harder. Sometimes even right beside the shepherd, your stomach will have to growl. There'll be a need. Okay, the promise isn't that in this world you'll have no tribulation, you'll have no trouble. Many things will be difficult in this world. But you don't have to go through it alone. You go through it with your good shepherd. And you don't have to pretend to be superhuman. God knows that you're human and you have these very real limitations. And he's not frustrated with you because of them. He's compassionate with you. And he loves you. And he cares for you. We talked about in the prayer meeting this morning before we prayed, which was really encouraging. We had a full room again this morning. Um, you guys are always welcome to come pray with us at 930 on Sunday mornings. But I just told them a little bit about what we were going to be looking at during the sermon. And we were reminding ourselves that when we pray, we don't have to hope that God's going to listen and care about what we're saying. We know he cares. We know he cares for us. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us. It's so comforting. He's not annoyed with us. You know, so I'm not a perfect father, and sometimes I will respond to my children with an edge of annoyance in my voice. And it's, you know, one of my most shameful struggles. I wish I wasn't like that. And, you know, my father has responded to me that way. Your father's probably responded to you that way. But God never responds to us that way. We don't annoy him. We don't frustrate him. He has compassion for us. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. So we can live with our Bibles open. We can trust in Jesus' guidance and his restoration and his satisfaction. We can live as though Psalm 23 is true for us. You know, we usually only look at Psalm 23 at funerals, but it's a really good chapter. And this is how I want to close the sermon. Let's read Psalm 23. You can just listen to it. It's not going to be projected. And then we'll pray together. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Isn't that neat that in Mark 6, it mentions that they sat down in the green grass? I don't think that's an accident. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to be our shepherd. Thank you that we do not have to go it alone in this world. Thank you that we can live as sheep. Help us to figure out what that means in our daily lives with all the complexity and all the complications and all the responsibilities and all the decisions. And it's easy to talk about this in here, but when we go out those doors, life is loud and it's hard to live as sheep. I pray that you would please work this truth out into our lives in real practical ways. How do we trust you like this for guidance? How do we rest when there's so much to be done? How do we come to you for satisfaction when we feel like we have pockets of dissatisfaction in our hearts and in our lives that could never be reached by the gospel itself? We know that these things are true. Help us to live in light of them. In Jesus' name, amen.